I had a number of people suggest last week that we needed to remember Big Bird in our intercessions under the faithful departed. You probably heard that the puppeteer who played Big Bird died a little over a week ago. Sesame Street was not something that I was able to watch. It started just around when I went to Gray Primary, so I was very resentful that my sister got to stay home and watch it, and I didn't. But I do remember one of these things is not like the other. Do you remember that song from Sesame Street? We'll have a look at the Advent wreath today. One of these things is not like the other. Why do we have a purple set of candles for three Sundays in Advent, and today's candle is a pink one? Well, many of you know the answer to that question already. Gaudete Sunday. The first word of the introit for this Sunday, which the choir will be singing at 11 o'clock, but a word we heard first thing in our readings today, a word which is translated into English as rejoice. Today is Rejoicing Sunday, as we draw nearer to the coming of our Lord at Christmas and at the end of time. Rejoicing in the Lord always, as it will be put in the introit and in today's reading, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad and the desert shall rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoicing is about being filled with joy, isn't it? And having that joy spill out of you somehow in an act or a song or in words of praise or in simply living a joyful life. So it may seem a little bit strange to have the gospel reading that we have today. I don't think there's a whole lot of rejoicing going on in the prison cell where John the Baptist finds himself. You know, John the Baptist, who had great expectations placed upon him from even before his birth, this is the baby that leaped in his mother's womb when Mary approached her cousin Elizabeth. This is the one whose father was struck mute until he wrote, as we heard last week on a slate, his name is John, and his father's mouth was open and he rejoiced. He is the promised prophet, the second Elijah, that will prepare the way for the Lord, make straight a path in the wilderness, great expectations for him, which he follows, and like a typical prophet, runs out to the wilderness where he lives an austere life and preaches plainly the truth of God. So to find him behind the bars of a prison cell, and maybe even more shocking, to find him behind the spiritual bars of doubt and despair seems to me an odd thing to remember today. You know, we often think of our faith lives as being on this constant positive trajectory from doubt towards faith, from uncertainty towards certainty from fear and despair towards joy. 
And yet for John the Baptist, it looks like it's in the opposite direction. He is not certain anymore. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we wait for someone else? This is what he asks Jesus, the one who's, who is being proclaimed as the Messiah. And Jesus doesn't sit down and give him some theological answer. He says to look at the stories of the people around you, to look at the small moments of transformation. We're going to talk about some of them in our Eucharistic prayer today. He brings us out of error into truth, out of sin into righteousness, out of death into life. Those beautiful stories of transformation. So maybe the reason that we read this gospel reading today is to teach us something about the nature of joy. And maybe the nature of joy is connected to the nature of faith itself. That it is a true faith that feeds true joy. And what I mean by that is not that it is our certainties, the facts, that will feed our joy, but our trust in that great mystery of life, God. That great being who is the one who transforms all things and makes them new in Jesus Christ. If we find our happiness fragile, and our joy shallow, maybe it's because we don't trust as deeply as we ought to in the one who is the Christ and in the divine mystery who is God Almighty. You see, trusting is not about certainties, is it? It's not about our pretty little stories that make us feel a little better. Trust is about being in our own prison cells, whatever they may be. For some people, they are self-loathing. For some people, they are doubt. For some people, they are places of illness, lost revenue, all sorts of things. The bars that keep us from living a full and a joyful life in the faith of Christ to learn to be patient, as the second reading puts it, and to sit with those things, and to recognize this deep truth, which is, I think, what John the Baptist learned in his prison cell, that the way things are, sorry, that the way things appear is not necessarily the way things are. The way things appear is not necessarily the way things are. And maybe what John needed to let go of was his expectations of the way things would be, of the way Jesus would act, of the way God would act. If we think that God should do what we say and be what we think and act as we determine, 
then what we have created is an idol. And we don't really worship a god. It is the letting go of our own expectations, which so often are the seeds of disappointment, and the embracing of trust that no matter how messy life might look, and it can look pretty messy sometimes, all things work together for good for those who love God. As St. Paul puts it in one place and in another, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We don't know how John the Baptist responded, but I'm hoping that he came to that realization. That faith is not about our heads and not even simply about our hearts. It's about trusting, trusting in the face of anything life throws at us, that God is God and God will do what God has promised to do. That is the germination of joy in our hearts. Gaudete, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. Amen.